0: Uh-huh. This is yeah. A connection to stories Landover Legend Studios presents uh, I've been through a lot the I Can't Make This Up podcast My yeah. yeah. big team
1: Yourselves for coming out, yeah. I, yeah. I think you guys are a great audience. You know, uh, your smiling faces are why we do this. Depression. I'm happy tonight, though. I, am, I just got back from vacation. I spent some time with my parents. Uh, Spend time with my parents is hard. I think the hardest part about it is uh, the beatings. I am three two. You know, she didn't have to spank me, but I didn't make. Because they're just gonna take a percentage and they don't really know anything more than you could know if you just educate yourself. So.
0: Yeah. I, I went to go see a broker years ago and he gave me the breakdown on, you know, uh, how the system works and what you should do, what you should look for and how you could create your portfolio on your own. So for a while, I let him control it. And then I took it over myself and, At that time, I was in my 20s. So when shit hit the fan, I pulled out. And one of the dumbest things I ever did was uh, uh, sell my Disney stock before like Hannah Montana and shit blew up. (laughs) (laughs) Was Hannah
1: Montana what made it?
0: Yeah, like Uh uh, I think it was like 2006 um, when uh, I think Disney had bought Nickelodeon and. or they bought a bunch of their shows. Uh And then, like, High School Musical came out, and, you know, all that stuff started to grow. And it just was like, um, I think maybe three years later, the escalation of uh, Marvel started to happen. So all that stuff started to coincide with, like, you know, box office numbers and shit like that. So that's what made the popular, you know, uh, things grow. And I think... uh, Star Wars is attached to Disney.
1: Right? Yeah. It, it is. is
0: so all all that shit I missed out on for, you know, immediately twelve hundred bucks. You know. But oh. you know, I was I was strapped for cash and I just didn't, you know, think to just tough it out, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, when you're in your twenties, you don't you don't you don't think about the future like that. Not yeah. to that extent, you know. So
1: Yeah. Lesson learned. It's tough.
0: Well, David Baker. Yes, sir. Welcome to the I Can't Make This Up podcast. Thank you for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: (laughs) I appreciate you uh, for joining me early in the morning. I know that you uh, was uh, knocking some things off the checklist for the day, so this is going to be an interesting conversation.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, looking forward to it.
0: Okay, so uh, why don't you give me a little background on yourself?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, I uh, I am uh, 32. I'm single. Moved to Greenville last year, and uh, I'm a stand-up comic. <laughs> As of I'm about one year into stand-up comedy, and uh, I um, it's it's been really exciting um, seeing the uh, the scene here in Greenville. Um, and uh, in addition to doing stand-up, I have my own podcast called uh, I did this instead of killing myself which is a really weird name most people (laughs) it's uh it's a podcast about the local stand-up scene so Mm -hmm. um so yeah so those creatively are the two things I'm involved with right now stand-up comedy and the podcast and uh, I think that's how we connected We, we share the the podcast thing and I'm so grateful for you to for having me on um And yeah, outside of that, I'm a I'm a sales sales rep. That's my day job. I I work in medical sales, and uh, I've been doing that ever since uh, graduation. I've been with that same company, and uh, I love that company. Um, And it's it's done a lot for me. Uh, But what I found lacking was kind of the creative uh, outlet for myself. Uh, And it wasn't really until the pandemic that I had the the guts or just boredom to to actually (laughs) go forward with it i think you had a similar kind of experience with getting started with your thing but uh so glad i got started and uh and now i mean we're having a blast here with all the comics here in greenville and i've met a lot of cool people um and and you know it it hasn't taken away from the day job it's actually enhanced it like i'm having more fun in my selling because i'm i'm having fun outside of it so Uh, it's really great and I'm excited. I think Greenville has a great comedy scene that is, is, is growing. There's a lot of really fun, young comics that are starting out. Um, you know, we're not very good yet, but we're, (laughs) we're, we're, we're having a great time. I mean, and don't get me wrong. There are some great, funny, funny people, but, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of my background, what I'm doing now. Everything
0: comes with, uh, you know, repetition over time whether it's it right you know experience or strength you know all all it takes is the repeated process um before i go any further is there any uh backstory to the name of your podcast
1: yeah <laughs> yeah. so uh if you look at the logo on the podcast it's got a little hangman on it and mm-hmm. uh i did this instead of killing myself so do you know the comedian louis ck yeah mm-hmm. yeah so He's a little controversial. He's my favorite comedian of all time. Okay, and uh, he's got a lot of dark, edgy jokes, and some of my material is is a little bit like that. I, I like yeah, edgy, I, darker. Uh huh. I I was going to say something about the wheelchair
0: thing, but I'm gonna go ahead. And let the you wheelchair talk. thing. <laughs> oh, you saw one of my videos.
1: Oh, yeah, God. one of my sets. Yeah. So, uh, I uh, I had a lot of anxiety about starting a podcast because it was like. I felt like, Oh, if I start this, people are going to think, I think I'm really something special or I have something real to say. So, uh, I, I, I didn't want to come across as arrogant in how I started one and I wanted to, uh, and it felt to me cause I didn't know what I was doing. Like I never, I didn't know how to start a podcast. So I felt like, okay, if you're going to do it, be self deprecating and be funny in the name. And, uh, and Louie had a joke in his special in 2020, where he's kind of making fun of this woman who had opened up her own shop. She had opened up this little, like it was her own business. And he said, when you walk into a shop like that, he says sometimes he doesn't even want to talk to the owner. Cause he's like, Oh, like this is just, <laughs> he's looking at her little crafts and stuff. And he's like, really, you made this, you made this instead of killing yourself and i was like yeah that's me i'm the girl that opened her shop and this is my silly little dumb podcast (laughs) so it's kind of like yeah it's not based in mental health and i don't mean to make light of suicide because obviously that's very serious and yeah uh but yeah it's just kind of uh kind of a self-deprecating name and i thought it was attention getting (laughs) so so yeah that's kind of where that name came from
0: okay uh louis ck is funny as hell um
1: i'm glad you like him <laughs> uh
0: what, what was the name of the show he had on hbo uh
1: lucky Louie was on hbo okay and then he had a show on fx called just Louie. yeah yeah uh that show was funny as
0: shit uh, a lot of dry humor in there that a lot of people don't understand but i i find funny as hell so good you know, <laughs> besides his his uh the fact that he takes risk on stage Um, You know, is what uh, I guess you could say the PC culture doesn't really gravitate to. But it's like you got to understand that, you know, edginess is what throws people off and with, you know, part of, you know, risk and taking chances. You know, sometimes people gravitate towards it. Sometimes they don't. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you got to do that. You got to do that to stand out and, and be who you are. Because if he was just, you know, dry, then you know nobody would get him. But you know, he's he's genius in the way that he he takes you through a bit and keeps you alive in it. You know, if you if you pay attention to him, if you're a real fan of him, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's amazing how he can take people to these dark places. Like I think, I mean, he's got jokes about nine eleven, like <laughs> the Parkland shoot. I mean, it, it, it's yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I think it's important, like in terms of comedy, because uh, if you have such a sensitive PC culture and comedians or anybody's not taking risks, then, um, then speech suffers and, and artistic expression suffers. And with comedy, like you could do a bit like hundreds of times, and it takes you all those repetitions to find the way to tweak it to where an audience member can hear what you're saying and and digest it in a way that it's not offensive and it is really funny. So, um, you know, with Louie's bits, like there's versions of them, I'm sure when they're in the earlier part of the joke writing process where they're not fully formed and ready, Uh, but you need to have permission to take those risks without being uh, canceled to get to a finished product that's really good. So, uh, standup's kind of unique in that you have to try it out in front of an audience to see like, oh gosh, they hated that. Well, maybe if I change this word or change how they, how I get into that topic or frame it a little different, um, with edgy stuff, you definitely have to do that. But, uh, but yeah, he takes a lot of risks. So I think that's why his stand up is the best is, is some of the best because he's willing to go places other people won't. So,
0: okay. Whatever, uh, comedians influence you besides Louis
1: Jerry Seinfeld Uh, he was one of my favorite comedians growing up I um, when I was uh, little I was in elementary school in the 90s but the show Seinfeld uh, Mm. was introduced to me by another friend and um, it was like late 90s so the show was about to be off the air but if you remember Seinfeld got all these syndication deals so it was always on mm-hmm. like after the evening news or so we would record on VHS tapes all of the Seinfeld episodes <laughs> and I would rewatch them. I have all the Seinfeld things memorized. Like I have a Kramer poster over here like I just love the show. And then Jerry, he did those little stand-up scenes at the beginning of the show sometimes. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know what stand-up was, but um but yeah, he was a huge influence on me. Um I think when I saw his special, I'm Telling You for the Last Time, that was his HBO special. uh, I got
0: got that on DVD.
1: Do you? Word. Yeah, Yeah, man. That was the first time I saw a stand-up comedy special. Because I was like, when I went to watch it, I was like, eh, I liked your show, but what is this? You're just talking for an hour? That's interesting. That's weird. And then I watched it, and I was like, oh, my gosh. This is incredible. Like, I – like. I enjoyed that hour way more than any of the little clips on the front of the episodes, and I was like, "This is a real thing, stand-up comedy. This is really." Um, and because I had loved Seinfeld the show and him growing up, like I would always, you know, anytime he did anything, like when he came out with the B movie, I would go watch that. Um, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, that web series and and now Netflix show he did. I love doing that and kind of went down the rabbit hole of you know what is stand-up comedy and uh, and everything like that so that that kind of led me to Larry David as well because Larry <laughs> David he's amazing oh my gosh talk about the most neurotic guy in the world oh and I think he's probably the real genius behind the Seinfeld show just because he's got a dry cynical sense of humor that's similar I, I think there's Parts of Louie that are kind of similar, but between him and Larry David, maybe. And uh he just um I just love his show. And then uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, you know, was another uh I mean I, I absolutely love that that show. Um but yeah, in terms of uh the other big stand-up comedian that influenced me is Norm McDonald. Um, okay. do you know Norm?
0: Yeah, he he he's in one of my favorite movies called Screw with uh, Dave Chappelle. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. Norm, man, I discovered Norm uh, like within the last year or so, and he was another person where I wasn't sure about him until I stumbled across, um, you know, his uh, kind of his interviews, and then I went back and watched his SNL Weekend Update stuff, mm-hmm. and and he's another guy that would just say stuff that like people be so shocking and he just be like yeah hey, hey, like he had all this stuff about like I, he just went AWOL on the OJ trial mm-hmm. like he had all those news like he did all that um and uh yeah in the roast of Bob Saget I don't know if you ever seen that when he came yeah. out there in a normal roast, you expect him to just go hard, and he tells all these dad jokes from, like, the 1920s. <laughs> and uh, But Norm is a fascinating guy to me because he's an author as well. Uh, I read his book, um, Not a Memoir, uh, and um, he's a really thoughtful, intelligent guy. Uh, he plays a silly, dumb guy on stage. Like, he plays like he's oblivious, but he's really not. He's really brilliant. So, uh, I just find him fascinating and objectively hilarious. So Norm, I mean, he, he has a very, he has a lot of interviews online. Most of them are silly and funny, but some of them are real serious. He thinks a lot about death. He thinks a lot about philosophical ideas. He thinks a lot about God is God real. Mm-hmm. Like and he's got some real, uh, there's, there's some real depth to Norm Macdonald, um, and uh, I I think he's one of the best in the world. So, uh, so yeah. I mean, that's a good. I mean, I, I'm trying to think of anybody else. Uh, Chappelle is is one of my favorites. Uh, Chappelle was another one where I loved his show, like the sketch comedy in the early 2000s. Like, mm. those are the best sketches, some of the best sketches I've <laughs> ever seen. Like I. <laughs> They, they'll they never be beaten because you can't like you. I don't think you get away with what he did. Like the black white supremacist sketch. Are you <laughs> kidding me? I, the racial draft, dude. Oh my gosh. It was so funny though. And, uh, yeah. And, and he's, he's one where like, um, I, I thought the sketch comedy was amazing, and I was like, well, I don't know if there's anything else he could do that I would love, but his stand-up is also amazing. His first special, Killing Them Softly, uh, was so funny. And I was I was blown away by that one because he's, like, in his early 20s, mm-hmm. and he's funny. To me, it's, it's really hard for me to laugh, or, or probably anybody, especially, like, older than me, to laugh at somebody in their 20s. Cause it's like, what do you know yet about life? Like anything you say, it's going to be like, okay, well you're, you're really young, but he was just <laughs> cut through all that. And just a brilliant stand up. Like I think Kevin Hart said like Dave Chappelle is the baddest mofo with a microphone right now. Like he is, his level of thinking is next, next level. And he's, and he's still bigger than ever, you know? So, uh, I mean, I could talk about comics forever, man. I'm sorry, but <laughs> those are a handful.
0: Um, so, yeah. Yeah, you, got, you actually got me reminiscent thinking about uh, all of these guys. I'm trying to remember the name of that movie that Norm McDonald was in when he, like, came up with, like, a revenge business uh, oh. with the heavyset guy, but it was funny as shit.
1: Yeah, with Chris Farley?
0: It wasn't Chris Farley. Um,
1: oh, it was –
0: his name was Artie Lang. Yeah, yeah. I I just can't Shoot. think of the name of that movie, but that was funniest shit. And fucking Dave Chappelle is my favorite,
1: <laughs> favorite stand up of all time. Half baked. That was the Chappelle movie. I I love that Chappelle movie. Uh, Dirty Work. That's what it was. Dirty Work.
0: Yes. yes. Yeah. That that was another classic where it It was just, it was random. Like, you know, I could sit there and laugh hysterically at it. And other people sit around me like, why why is this funny? Like, you don't see this shit? You don't see the silliness that's going on right now? Like, who does this?
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: So you said you you moved to uh, South Carolina about a year ago? Yeah. Okay. Where are you from originally?
1: I'm from Michigan originally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in Atlanta uh, before um, most recently. So I went from Michigan to Charlotte uh, for two years. And then I was in Atlanta for four years. And then now Greenville. So I think I'm in the South to stay. Okay. Um, but yeah. I'm assuming you were there for school. Um, well, Michigan, my whole family's from there. So like I'm. Uh, i'm i'm really dutch like that's my so uh west michigan is a very dutch uh like i don't know if there was like a a dutch settlement back there uh Mm -hmm. back in the day and uh it's like all my family's up in west michigan so i was living up there um for most of my childhood and then i went to school hillsdale college up there um which is south central part of michigan and then um you know, my company's based in Michigan as well. So, uh, so yeah, uh, when you uh, when you agree to take a sales job at my company, you kind of have to be willing to move anywhere wherever the open territory is. Uh-huh. So I uh, took the leap, got the opportunity for kind of a junior sales job in Charlotte, and then moved up from there. So,
0: oh, that's dope! You had an opportunity for growth and to travel at the same time.
1: Yeah, yeah, it that was the first like. I encourage anybody to do that. I mean, if they're young, like, and um, to, you know, move, move away from home and uh, I mean, it's okay to stay at home, but for me, it was like, it opened up a lot of things for me, just uh, seeing what it's like in a new city. And um, I was really fortunate to have the jobs open up in beautiful cities. I mean, Charlotte is incredible. Um, Atlanta is um you know, Atlanta's overwhelmingly big in a way. I mean, it's crazy and there's mm-hmm. tons going on there. Uh, and then Greenville's got a different speed as well. So, um, so yeah, you, you kind of sacrifice some things. Like it's, it's hard to, it's hard to keep moving and making new friends and everything, but mm-hmm. um it's worth it. I mean, if you move in your twenties with a, with a company, like you can move up. So it helps.
0: Okay. So uh what was I going to say? You said that um, you was in Atlanta for a while, and then you moved there. So isn't it
1: kind of slower compared to Atlanta where you at? Yeah, it is. But that's probably a good thing for me. I was in my 20s, you know. I don't know if uh, – you you played football, right? Mm-hmm. Did you play football in college?
0: No, no, high school.
1: High school? Word. Yeah, so I uh, – I don't know. We were We were kind of wild, like – uh and I never (laughs) I never drank or anything leading up to college Mm -hmm. so I went crazy and then with all my football buddies I mean we would we would go nuts and and then in my 20s I kind of still would go out and party a lot and like so not not a ton but on the weekends Mm -hmm. and uh when I moved to Atlanta man like tons to do but like I don't know. It like the the partying was just next level there and uh mm-hmm. I don't think it was a good environment for me to be around forever. I was like it was fine but like uh I knew that you know I'm not going to be in my 20s forever. At some point it'd be nice to kind of slow it down and be in a more of a community uh atmosphere and when I discovered Greenville I was like oh you know that'd be something and then I had the opportunity to my territory shifted where I had the chance to move here. Um so yeah a little slower paced but that season of my life was kind of done. I mean um I'm now over 30 so uh, I didn't need to to be having like a really wild scene. Um although Atlanta does have some cool stuff it is sweet that the Braves are right there and 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 the Falcons and um and you know there's there's tons to do outside of just the parties but for me that was a it was a nice break Mm -hmm. uh and i think i mean are you from greenville no 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 i'm from maryland oh you're from maryland all right okay so uh i mean what is your take on greenville because how long have you been here
0: no no i'm I'm in maryland
1: oh you're in maryland now oh geez okay (laughs) i'm sorry dude you cut this out i'm an idiot i should have known this (laughs)
0: no 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 you're fine um I've I've been to Greenville, but like the, uh, the Carolinas, um, Georgia, um, Tennessee, like all those have beautiful scenery and everything. But mm-hmm. when it comes to like everyday living, like the cost is nice in my opinion. But I I need like I guess city noise or some type of action, not 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 like ch- uh, cop chases or anything. But I need something, <laughs> you know. Yeah, <laughs> you know and um but uh beautiful towns beautiful cities you know mm-hmm. and um beautiful women that's that's the good thing yeah. about, you know leaving out the area and going exploring because uh you know when i was younger what i used to do and i suggest this to people also is i used to go to an airport on a Friday and, and find like the cheapest flight to the you know most interesting city and I would go there for really? a week and, and just stay and just explore the city and then come what back. What was
1: the home. what was the craziest or coolest city you did that? Um
0: Uh I wanna say it was Kansas City. No. Um Dayton. Dayton, Ohio. They,
1: Dayton Ohio.
0: Dayton, Ohio. Wow, that
1: sounds boring. It it
0: all right. So at first look, it was very boring. So what happened was I ended up meeting somebody at a bar. Um at uh-huh. the time when I, I smoked cigarettes, we, we ended up sharing a cigarette. And where they at, like, you know, like I guess the main part of the town shuts down at like 10, 11 o'clock. He's like, I'm going to this party, you want to come? And I'm like, fuck it why not you know <laughs> so we end up going we end up going to this uh like this house that's like off the road and as i well, as we get closer to the house um all the furniture is in the front yard there's a big ass pool next to that and there are people jumping out like the second story window into the pool uh, on the side of the house you can see like flames there's like a a half a block mile uh, fire that they started. They just throwing shit in there. <laughs> There's kegs of beer and, and Jaeger and Hennessy and all type of shit in the backyard. And I'm just like, I have never been to anything like this in my life. And this is the most boring town in the world that I've I had the most fun in my life so far.
1: You know? Dude, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, it was.
1: Oh, uh, so was it like a college frat party?
0: Um, No, this was like, just a uh, house party. Uh, just a house party, like Fridays. This is what they did. Oh my gosh! Yeah. And um,
1: the that was that was
0: the that was the funnest, but it wasn't the wildest. The wildest was Libertyville in Pennsylvania,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: I went there, and just so happened it was X Games weekend. I had no idea about this. I just happened to go, and. You know, uh, the hotel I was staying, it was uh, up on the mountain, but everybody party down in the town where the resorts were and go to the uh, go to the resorts. Everyone's like inside drinking hot chocolate and shit. And somebody's like, you know, there's a party at some rich family's house that everyone knew in the town. You know, like if you got Mm -hmm. money, then, you know, that's where you go to party or whatever. And I can just remember having three or four cups. Um, chilling in the jacuzzi with these girls and then waking up the next day in this room with like 10 other people passed out next to me and it was just the bodies everywhere. And I'm just like, I can't believe I fell asleep here. What the fuck happened? How old were you? Oh, at that time I was 25. Perfect. Yeah. So it was, it was different, but it was, it was, I was like, like, it was like a, uh, what, what was that? it was it was a somebody had a meerkat like as a pet and I'm just like because I I was like that's a big fucking cat and I didn't know until somebody broke it down to me the next day and I just like at 2 o'clock because I woke up like around 11 they said yeah we're going to start up again around 4 I'm like yeah fuck that shit I need the rest I can't do it again
1: oh my gosh yeah yeah dude I used to party like that all the time uh I kind of miss those days and then i kind of don't i missed
0: the i miss the energy i had i don't miss the the hangovers and shit
1: you know yeah 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 i stopped drinking about a year ago so i uh i do not miss, i don't miss the hangovers at all um
0: so you you quit around the time you started comedy yeah yeah quit about a month before okay yeah
1: you
0: just then um you didn't you didn't want to do it anymore or you felt like it was just like getting out of control
1: uh I mean it wasn't ever like where i i i mean I don't know what constitutes an alcoholic everybody mm-hmm. has a different i don't know I just felt like um it was it was time to stop i uh there were a couple of factors too you know doing something creative I had never um done it before. And I was very insecure about writing anything, writing anything that was my idea and putting it out there for anybody. That gave me so much anxiety. And I was like having a hard time self assessing. I was being real critical of myself and I would just be tore up about whatever. And I found that alcohol increased that anxiety because sometimes. I'd be drinking and I think I have a great idea and I I'd write it down. And by the way, I was first doing sketch videos on YouTube. Like that was what I started to do. So I was, and I, it gave me such an exhilaration. But then as I started to like go from just that initial inspiration to like continuing to create things, I just had this awful, just negative voice in my head saying that's really dumb and, and just, you know, really self-critical. And like, I wasn't, I wasn't in a good place mentally to do it. So I was like this, like, okay, I'm wrestling with these thoughts and this anxiety. Alcohol is definitely not helping. So why don't I just cut out alcohol? That way I can more clearly think about, you know, this artistic side that I'm trying to express. And I think I was so type A growing up. Like I always wanted to get good grades. I always wanted my parents to like, I always wanted to suck up to my parents, to the teachers. I wanted to always do everything perfect that I was really hard on myself. So like when you're creating something, you have to give yourself permission to be, to fail and all that. So I had all that going on. So I w- I'm still wrestling with that. Like I still wrestle with like that anxiety. Um, and that's just a constant struggle. So uh, but that I knew alcohol was not going to help me. I was like, if I, I felt like I'm crazy. Creating stuff sometimes. So, like, remove the alcohol, I can think more clearly and be sober. Um, and the same thing with stand up. Like, a lot of people, when they start doing stand up, they feel like they need to have a couple of beers to, like, cut, take the edge off and go up there. Um, I never have been under the influence of anything on stage, and I, I kind of prefer it like that. Um, because it's so hard to evaluate stand up. Like, you record your sets, you feel what it's like in the moment. But you know, you have to get in front of so many audiences to know like if it's really good or not, and uh, and how to tweak it. You have to be so dialed into stuff that like alcohol doesn't help with that. So for me, like I was so much happier having this outlet and in stand up comedy, uh, and and you know, these creative things. I didn't need, and alcohol wasn't helping it, and and I found I didn't need it. I like I don't really. I don't really feel tempted to do it or, um, and, uh, you know, I have, I have just as much fun with my friends still. Like I still go out to bars and, uh, with friends, just, I don't, let's I get a Red Bull. <laughs>
0: yeah. I think that, uh, a lot of people that have addictive personalities doesn't realize that they do and no matter what they are
1: doing. <laughs> oh, okay. I do
0: dude. <laughs> so you know, food,
1: man, I'll eat so much food like in one sitting. Like I'll eat a whole pizza by myself. Like, and it, that can translate to alcohol or anything else. So, so
0: I mean, you obviously uh, not really suffering from the, the backlash of overeating. Are you? Are you working out? No. <laughs> no, I ain't working out. All right, all right. I'm, I'm about to end this show. I, I can't stand <laughs> people like you.
1: No, you- dude. I'll tell you what the secret is fasting you ever try fasting yeah yeah i tried it so there's a guy on youtube called cole robinson Uh, he has this thing called the snake diet and this is like not your mom's version of fasting like this is like hardcore (laughs) like some people would say it's controversial because he he promotes long-term fasting Mm -hmm. so uh so yeah if if you uh a couple years ago i was uh at my cousin's open house Mm. and uh i was eat she had like crispy creams and tacos and (laughs) chick-fil-a and i was filling up my plate And i just crushed all of this and then uh they took a picture and i saw a picture of myself and i was like dude like i'd put on like 20 pounds i was my face was all pudgy i was like man i look like crap so then i i I was like what do i fix this so i found cole robinson the snake diet guy and uh yeah, basically I had 20 pounds to lose. His strategy is do prolonged fasting. So like start with a 48 hour fast. You don't eat anything for 48 hours. And then uh you refeed with the ketogenic meal. So just like basically lettuce and meat. And uh and then continue to do that. After forty-eight hours, your body will be in ketosis and you'll be in fat burning mode. Mm-hmm. And uh and your body as a machine will eat away all of the fat that you're trying to lose. It's just a matter of if you're willing to to do that. Um, I like it because it gets results really fast. And uh, after about a month, I'd cut down to the weight I am now. And then once you're at the goal weight, then you can kind of... What I do is I just I don't eat until the evening. So I'll have black coffee in the morning and then I'll eat at dinner. But I'll I'll usually only eat like one meal a day and then... But during that meal, I eat a lot. (laughs) I eat a ton. But, uh, yeah, I I don't work out. I stay the same weight. So I should work out. I need to work out for mental health. But Uh, I think that, you know, having,
0: uh, you know, having your blood flowing and, and pumping up your endorphins will help with, like, anxiety most definitely. I've seen the results of that. I've seen it help people control it a lot better. So
1: Yeah. Know, yeah, I should do that for
0: anxiety. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, if you like not used to running, you know, um, I've seen it I've seen people like not really change their life completely, but help them get a grasp on, you know, uh the emotions and how everything affected when especially when it comes to anxiety and then, mm-hmm. you know you almost, instead of you not recognizing your ups and downs, you'll feel them through, you know what I'm saying, Uh, physical stress and stuff like that.
1: What workouts do you do? Uh,
0: Knife and fork to plate. (laughs) 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 So, no, um, to be quite honest, um, I'm still suffering from uh, the position I was put in last year from, you know not being able to get out and meet people and stuff like that so yeah now to that i uh you know i got a, a i guess you could say a permanent work schedule now i'm getting back into the habit of you know exercising and stuff like that so i mean but to be honest you know since november i lost 25 pounds so nice you know, I'm, I'm on, I'm on the, uh, the downward spiral. That's that's going to help me be in a positive way. You know, how'd you
1: lose the 25? Was it diet focus? Was it combination?
0: Um, cutting out fried foods and the job I was working at the time. So I was working a uh, delivery company, and then I'm in and out the truck, you know, 100 plus times a day. So the weight's going to drop eventually.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So now I'm focusing on not eating after eight and um, um, I just started intermittent fasting, so.
1: Yeah. Oh, great. Okay, yeah. Similar concept. What I was talking about is an extreme version, but.
0: Yeah. I don't know about 48 hours, you know. Dude, but... you could
1: do 48. <laughs> I always say people could do 48. That breaks your fear of fasting and uh, and well, just proves mentally you can do it.
0: I definitely have the fact to burn. I just know that, like, with anything, it's a mental thing. Mm-hmm. It's like. Uh, when I quit smoking uh, cigarettes um, mm-hmm. last year, um, you know. Congrats on that,
1: by the way. That's huge. I,
0: I appreciate it. You know, I, I wish I had, you know, did it years ago. And I kept telling myself that, you know, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. And I tell everybody, you know, last year was the, the best, worst thing for a lot of people. You know, mm-hmm. so it 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 took a lot away, but it gave me so much more you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, you know, I took advantage of everything I could during the downtime, you know, quote unquote. So now, Mm -hmm. you know, something that I had in the back of my mind three years ago, I'm one year in it, you know, and Mm -hmm. growing steadily. And, you know, I got to meet interesting people like you and yourself, you know, um, have, you know, come on and talk to me, all types of stuff. And, you know, I made so many connections and, and picked up so much new strategies that's gonna help me grow as a person and, and and a business owner at the same time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree, man. I felt like the the pandemic, I, I it was a huge blessing for me. Um I was just kind of in a pattern of like existing and I wasn't really I needed the world will slow down for me to figure all this stuff out about myself and everything and get the chance to do cool stuff like this, to your point. So, yeah, I mean, it was bad for a lot of people, but I actually, I was pretty grateful for some of the silver linings.
0: So was it, was it, uh, you know, people like Seinfeld and Louis CK that, that gave you like the inspiration to start comedy?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, Louis, um, Louie came out with a special last year that I watched. Uh, I was before I got on stage for the first time. Um, I don't know. I guess I always had like the desire or curiosity about it. Um, like downtown Greenville, um, the comedy zone, that's the main comedy club uh, here. And it's mm-hmm. cool. Cause it's, we get celebrity comics in town. It's a, it's a good room. And I remember when I moved here for the first time, I was walking down Main Street and I saw a comedy club. And as soon as I saw a comedy club, like the sign, like there was something in my head that was like, that is so cool. like I was drawn to it. Like I was like, I wanted to do like I just I, I, I barely gave myself permission to like think I could even try it. Mm hmm. But I was like, "Oh my gosh!" There's a comedy club right where I'm living. Like it's right there. Like it's not far off on a stage on a TV screen in Hollywood or New York. It's there's a comedy club right there. Like, and um, I remember one night. I haven't told this story to anybody, but uh, <laughs> I was walking downtown, and it was super late, and the uh, the door to the Comedy Zone Club that the show had already been over nobody was up there and uh I opened the door to the comedy club and I was like oh my gosh it's unlocked (laughs) and I walked up the steps and the comedy club there it's it's kind of in an attic sort of a lot of comedy clubs are in the basement and and, but it's you walk up the steps and there's the stage and uh and it was all dark but I could see where the stage was and I walked up on the stage and just kind of looked around and I was like this is wild man. This is crazy. Like I have to do this. Like, and I eventually, um, it was a couple months after that where a friend of mine invited me to an open mic and I had a tortured thought in my head. I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go. Uh, when she sent me that text, but I was like, I have to go. So I went, I signed up, I did horrible, (laughs) (laughs) but it was just, and yeah it's it's pretty cool i mean the other night on thursday night i went back on stage after the show was over and i i got i just got one of those the new iphone that has like the wide angle lens Mm -hmm. or whatever and i took a picture from what it looks like when you're looking out on stage and and i just kind of like it was being almost a year of trying it and I was just like, wow, like this is cool that you're doing it. Like you remind yourself of that on bad nights. Like when you don't have a set that goes well, like you're still doing comedy. Like that's still really cool. And, uh, and yeah, so, um, the, the, the celebrity comics definitely inspired me and developed an interest in me, but there was also like, just something that I, uh, I don't know that, uh, just struck a chord, like something that I really felt like I wanted to try for a very long time it just took me a while to just do it most of your life apparently so. yeah yeah i'm getting old thanks for reminding me <laughs> <laughs>
0: like. well you know i uh, i got you by three years so don't feel bad actually, okay actually i got you by four years but that's neither here nor there <laughs> word that's so funny. i mean i always tell people uh or i always tell comedians because i'm a i'm a fan of it you know I think Jerry Seinfeld said it best. Um, uh, however, how long you've been doing comedy is how old you are in the game. So yep. you're you're a one year old. So it's going to take you know the some baby. Time. Yeah, it's going to take some time before you you get into that rhythm and that confidence builds up. Mm-hmm. And then it's like you're not you're not just going up to do a set. You're just up there being yourself. And yep. then, you know once you're, once your shoulders loosen up and you no longer tension, you know, it's not going to be a good night or bad night. It's going to be how the crowd reacted to you. You Mm -hmm. know? So it's either going to be it's either going to be good or it's going to be great. Good Mm -hmm. is, you know, when people, you know, understood but didn't really get it. Great is when you feel like you crushed it. You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh it's 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 unique. Like there's no substitute, there's no shortcuts to getting good at stand up it's uh it's just repetition and um and self-evaluation and um experimentation with material and all that so um yeah you look back you know months before like when you started and you kind of cringe at what you thought was good back then and then you know Months from now, I'll probably cringe at where I am now, and <laughs> all. That. So,
0: you uh, you ever thought about going to like acting school to help improve like your stage presence and everything?
1: Um, I've thought. Well, I've thought about taking acting classes. Yeah, I think that'd be really fun. Um, because I I like to do sketch comedy as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I haven't done much since last spring plenty more time on stand-up but i like uh movies and um you know directing and editing and putting together videos and um you know i we've talked to comics about doing some things here and uh and having us play different roles and if i'm gonna try and act and have my friends try and act i think that'd be really helpful and i yeah i definitely think that would help for stage stage presence and just understanding how to communicate emotion to an audience in a way that's the most effective. Um, Absolutely. Um, There was actually a little production here. They shot in Greenville. Uh, I think it's going to be on show. It's, it's a, it's a web-based series. Uh, It's called it's complicated. Johnny Sizemore directed it. And uh, I got invited to be an extra on that. And that was the first time I had seen like a, A professional um uh production of like a tv show and i got so excited being there like that was really fun um there was a lot of sitting and waiting and things like that but uh when you see those actors up close and see like how they're able to just get in character Mm -hmm. and act out a scene like i had a lot of appreciation for the talent that takes so um so yeah, absolutely. I don't think I'll ever be a good actor, uh like really good or anything, but I think it could help, absolutely. Um, I think Louis even said that. Like he's a he's a stand-up comedian first. He'll, he'll act kind of as but his version of acting is just being himself. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I would have to be, I think. I don't unless I'm playing something ridiculously silly, I don't know, but I probably just have to be a goofy version of me in front of the camera like that's probably what i would do right. <laughs> yeah. so i mean there,
0: there's a lot of uh movie stars or you know i guess accredited actors who aren't great acting like do you think vin diesel's a good actor you know
1: <laughs>
0: he he's just he's just vin diesel doing different shit you know yeah you know action star driving cars or or uh CIE babysitter or some shit, you know, yeah. like this is Vin Diesel on a planet with monsters, you know, yeah, like this. yeah, yeah. So, you know, Vin
1: Diesel, I remember Vin Diesel was in Saving Private Ryan. He was, yeah, I think so. He got shot pretty early. <laughs> he probably was small too back then, smaller too, yeah, yeah. I don't think so, he was as
0: jacked, you know, um, you know, situations like that, you know, I don't. I always tell people it doesn't matter, you know, what other people have as far as accolades for focus on yourself. Like, you know, who Topher Grace is right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, back in, was it 97 when that 70s show started? Something, something yeah, like that. I think it was like 97, 98. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as soon as that show came out, it was instantly one of my favorites outside of like, uh, you know Seinfeld and shit like that Mm -hmm. so I followed his career and I watched like all the productions he did and then I saw like a like a mini little documentary about him Uh and you know people say you know he fell off or you know his his career didn't go anywhere after that 70s show and then um they were saying that you know when he did that show he got like uh one hundred eighty thousand episode and i'm like he was he was in a position to retire early so he yeah he you know when it comes to those like syndication deals you know Holy. you could you could you can make enough money to do whatever you want you yeah. know once you get to a certain age or if you like you feel as though you tired and you don't want to work every yeah. day. like you know he, yeah. he he had enough money to do what he want he ended up being in Spider Man, he ended up being in Spider like, Three, yeah. A uh, couple of rom coms, and now he's on a show. I think that's on ABC. That's doing pretty good. They got picked up for a second season. So, mm-hmm. you know, so he has
1: that comfort and freedom to do what he wants because of the syndication. Murder.
0: Exactly. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's 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 consistency and work because you know, I didn't know like Charlie Shane was making like four million episode on Two and a Half man. Yeah. You know, it it was it was it's crazy how much money you can make depending on, you know, what you got going on. So, you know, any opportunity, you know, I think is, is better than nothing because, you know, what you see on TV and what you actually doing behind the camera is two different things. So, you know, taking that chance, regardless of what it is, you never know what might come from it
1: yeah absolutely um yeah that's i mean uh jerry seinfeld and larry david i don't know if everybody knows how wealthy they are but they're some of the wealthiest actors and comedians in hollywood jerry's almost a billionaire because of the seinfeld money Mm -hmm. and larry similarly um and uh and what i love about it is you might not know a lot about what jerry's doing with his career kind of like toe for grit i mean he's uh aside from the comedians and cars getting coffee it's not like he's in movies or doing a lot of crazy stuff post seinfeld show he did you know some stuff but what i love is that he's still doing stand-up you know when the new york comedy clubs opened back up uh when gotham comedy club opened back up post pandemic the first night jerry was there on stage mm-hmm. and if any guy that doesn't need the money to be on stage doing stand up like that's how you know it's like it's it comes from like a real passion and um and that's where I kind of like stand up compared to acting is if you're an actor, you kind of have to get cast in a role to mm-hmm. be able to do your art, and you have to be mindful of like okay, how do I come across well to like this director or like get cast in this role, but with stand up, you can just do it you know. You can find an open mic like, anywhere in the country if you want, or um, and hopefully you know get book shows at some point. But stand up, you can just do it by yourself. So, yeah, I, I mean,
0: but I always encourage people like if they have an idea and they, I hear them talking about it like repeatedly, like you know, like what you saying with like doing sketches. Like you said, you haven't done this since last spring, right? Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, put an idea out there and, you know, working with other people or, you know, doing anything, you know, it'll make you stronger in other a- uh, aspects of life. You know what I'm saying? So I, I look forward to seeing some of your sketches <laughs> as as you come up with, because I think it'll be dark and, and humorous at the same time. <laughs> you know, so, you know, I I can see you like bringing some of your jokes to life in a sketch because, yeah. you know, that's what people are looking for these days, uh, you know, short little videos yep. um, that's really, you know, inside of like five minutes or something like that. And that it just constantly get shared, turned into TikToks, you know, you know, stuff like that.
1: Yeah. I appreciate the encouragement, man. Uh, and yeah, you're right. Those quick bites are what people want. Uh, the 60 seconds or less, the attention spans and it's actually, I mean, I, I thought that was kind of annoying in a way, but I also think now it puts pressure on you to edit very precisely and, and have your video be really valuable. It's people's attentions are valuable too. So you want to have it dialed in. You don't want to... It's like a stand-up set. You don't want to have a lot of periods where people aren't laughing. You want to have jokes packed on jokes on jokes on jokes. Mm. Um, I think the audience deserves that. You know, if they're if they're paying money, certainly. But even if they're at an open mic. I mean, an open mic is torture if people suck. So it's like <laughs> pack it with jokes, edit it down. Similar to you would on a video clip, you know, like... So...
0: I mean, that's the, that's the great thing I love about my show. Um, like when I, I tell stories about my life, um, and I, I I just put those out there in certain videos or audio files. Um, I'm not looking for people to laugh or to, you know, get a certain response. This is just me telling the story about my life. And then absolutely, unfortunately, um, it's mostly people laughing at the pain and stress I went through, you know. So, you know, I um
1: You hear Kevin Hart's special, Laugh at My Pain?
0: Basically, except that um it, there's no type of you know, fluff added to it or nothing like that, or no little tweak to it to make it more of a comedy, but it's just like, you know, I I met a serial hitchhiker, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Your your facial expression. Girl? No, it was a guy. A guy? It, it was a guy. I um I had a, a a deer set me up um for me to hit my head chasing me. It was it was ridiculous. I you know, I I I got fired from McDonald's on my day off like this is this is all the things that attributed to me creating the show because I would tell people these stories and they like no fucking way. And I'm like, no, but I have witnesses. I can't make this up. <laughs> yeah.
1: So you had a series of like messed up failures happen to you that, uh, I would pushed say, you into.
0: I wouldn't say messed up failures. It's just like random, random stuff. Like, for instance, right? I used to work at this, uh, this Autoposs warehouse years ago. And I'm sitting outside on my break. I'm like, uh, I'm on my phone, like on Facebook or some shit. And you know how, like, when you're not really paying attention, but you could feel like someone's presence around you. Mm-hmm. And I just looked over to my right and it's this like little Asian lady standing next to me with like a, a black garbage bag. And I'm like, take my headphones. Hello? She's like, What'd she say? She was like, uh, she was like, You got you eat ribs? I'm like, What? She's like, You eat ribs. I got ribs you buy. And I was like, You got ribs? And she opened up this bag and she had like packs of like ribs and shit like all shrink wrapped or whatever uh-huh. and she was like showing me the different ones and prices and shit and I, I, I didn't want to entertain her so I was like you know I'm, I'm vegan I'm sorry I can't buy that from me. <laughs> and her friendly expression turned into like this this frown and she just was like you know fucking vegan and she walked off and I was like <laughs> I was like did that just happen that just happened. And like I'm I'm like, I'm calling some of my coworkers. I'm like, did you see the little Asian lady with the bag of ribs? They like, what are you talking about? I'm like, come
1: on, man. I, I'm not making that's it. That's messed up. <laughs> she offers you ribs, and then yeah. it says <laughs> Dang.
0: Yeah, man. So it it's stuff like that. Um that happens to me that you know creates my Uh, I guess you could say lineage of my story. And, you know, once I, once I finish my book, people will be able to understand the the full introspective of of why I am the way I am and what I do. It's great. You're writing a book, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to, once it's, you know, once it's out, I think that uh, it'll be one of those books that everyone talks about. I'm not looking to be Oprah or nothing like that, but I'm looking for a positive reception to my story.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'll be following that closely. I'll definitely read that. Um, my dad took the plunge and wrote a wrote a book last year, and uh, um, just something he'd always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of reflections on his life and and some stories that he thought would be helpful for people. But is that similar to what the structure of your book is?
0: It's it's more of an autobiography. Um, mm-hmm. But even in in every story I tell and I put out there. Um, I'm always, you know, given, you know, my honest perspective on the situation and then, you know, my reaction and how things should be to, uh, you know, how people should, you know, act accordingly to those situations. Because, you know, like um, I had a girl who uh, who drugged me and was obsessed with me and who tried to follow me home. And I ended up finding out that she she had some, some mental stuff going on. But mm-hmm. it's, it, it went from me, like, totally rejecting her to me having a serious conversation with her and letting her know, like, you know, you need to be focusing more on yourself than trying to, you know, find love from somebody else, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, what people took from that was that I, it went from a negative to me trying to help this girl. Like, for me, just... Calling her crazy to you know me actually having an adult conversation and trying to understand why she did what she did and stuff like that. I gotcha. Yeah.
1: Mm. So. So she drugged you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. She 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 drugged me, and it was like on my first night, like meeting up with her, and you know how she it it like is? a
1: roofie, like you just woke up in bed <laughs> naked, like so.
0: Before I get, get into too many details, basically what happened was I went over to her house. Um, uh, she had like, poured some wine, was eating popcorn and watching a movie. And then like maybe 15 or 20 minutes into the movie, I just blacked out. I woke up. I was in her bed. I was undressed. She was laying on top of me. And I had no idea what happened in between that time still to this day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you know um
1: dig dude <laughs> <laughs>
0: it it was i wonder was, how
1: often girls do that like i don't i don't do they know. get a pass because it's always the other way around like nobody's looking at girls who roofy guys <laughs> I, I wouldn't I, mind getting roofied as long as i could remember this <laughs> the good parts if i could remember the sex i think i'd be fine <laughs> That's I, maybe about to- i'm i'm not
0: the views and opinions I'm just, I'm <laughs> of just Dave Baker does not reflect that. I can't make this up.
1: Podcast. <laughs> Maybe we should cut this out. I don't know. Uh, I'm saying um, just me. I'm not saying anybody else.
0: No, no, no. Um, I mean, but you're right. There, there are all types of, uh, you know, catch 22s when it comes to those situations. And, um, you know, some people feel strongly on, uh, the bias when it comes to you know stuff of that nature and mm-hmm. it's it's always going to be um you know i'm right i'm wrong situation is but like with anything that people are arguing about you know you should just look at the facts and whatever mm-hmm. the facts are you know saying those are the details you should you know go from that from an emotional standpoint
1: yeah yeah i agree um yeah it's such a touchy subject uh, and you're right the emotion it seems, it seems like uh, obviously nobody should ever be roofied I mean but mm-hmm. but uh, like when anybody's accused of anything in the public sphere it seems like their verdict is in like in the court of public opinion like everybody their mind has been made up before they have their day in like a court of law you know um, and before all the facts are out yeah. so it's 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 tough out there for for some people um yeah but, it's tough
0: it's tough out there for a lot of people and mm-hmm. unfortunately we live in such a crazy society that i don't see a change of a of a on a large scale for some for a very long time from now but i see a little upshift i see a little bit more positivity i see more people coming together. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. There's still some bad eggs out there, but I don't let it, I don't let it, you know, take hold in my subconscious. You know, i focus on what I can control and, you know, spreading as much positivity as possible. And just, you know, trying to make sure people take accountability for their actions and, and be a decent person at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um. Yeah, I feel like we try to do that with stand up as well. Um, no matter what we're trying to do, like it comes from. I think Patrice O'Neill had a comment about that. Like, even stuff that people might be offended over or whatever, like it's all coming from this a, a, a good place. We're just trying to make people laugh. We're trying to spread positivity and get people to, you know, enjoy themselves. We're never, we're never. Well, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I've met any comedians who've ever been trying to piss people off just for their own sake like so
0: yeah man hey at the end of the day you can't you can't control uh, other people's actions you can only control how you respond to them mm-hmm. you know yeah
1: but that's right
0: either way It is what it is. It is what it is. (laughs) This has been dope, Dave, man. I got to have you back on. We got to do this again.
1: Dude, yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, I'll be keeping a close eye out on on your podcast and, um, and your book, man. I'm excited to hear that. Is there anything else you have in the works before we go? Is there anything else you plan to do?
0: Well... I'm working on this uh, game show called What You Got. It's a it's a debate show, and um, I'm uh, in the process of recording those episodes, and I'm gonna try to put them out, you know, about it in the summer. But I, I you know, I'll, I'll send you uh, I send you links to when I'm dropping trailers and stuff like that. I think you'll enjoy it.
1: Good deal. Yeah, please keep me in the loop, and uh, if we ever get the sketch comedy going, I'll definitely loop you in on all that.
0: Yeah, I, um, I'm definitely going to uh, check you out and, and try to share, you know, try to, uh, you know, get people into the insight and the mind of who you are and what you got going on.
1: That means so much, man. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, man. So why don't you uh, let the people know what you got going on or anything you got coming up?
1: So... um First of all, if you want to follow me, uh, David Baker seven, that's two K's and Baker B A K K E R seven at G or, uh, that's no, that's my email address. That's just, my, <laughs> you could email me if you want. I just gave it to you. David Baker seven. I don't know how many people are going to be emailing me now, whatever you can, I don't care. Uh, so Instagram is, is where I do a lot of my stuff. Um, and, uh, my podcast, I did this instead of killing myself all one word. It's linked to my Instagram page. Um, And then you can see clips on the Instagram page and um, the podcast is available on all major platforms. So Spotify, Apple, uh, Google podcasts, really anything. Um, And episode 10 will be coming out this Monday. Um, And uh, I don't know uh, if there's any listeners here in the Greenville, South Carolina area, but if there are the, I have a show this Friday or no this Saturday at the flat restaurant off of, uh, um, off of Woodruff road in Greenville that starts at uh, eight o'clock. Um, so there'll be some, uh, I'm opening for that show. So, uh, if you go, you wouldn't be paying just to see me. You'd be paying to see a lot of other comics as well. And it's a really fun show. Um, I'll be in Charleston next Thursday. Um, depending on when this goes up, that'll be, um, Thursday, uh, June 24th. And, um, and yeah, if you follow me on Instagram, like I put where, where, I'll be here where any of the Greenville comics would be. And if you, if you do follow the podcast, like uh, it's not just about me, it's about all the local comics. So uh, we really appreciate any follows uh, because you get to see a cool perspective of who the comics are and it it helps grow uh, the local comedy scene. And I think local comedy is going to be coming back in a big way. So um, so that's about it. My YouTube channel is David Baker 16. So um, I have all the podcast clips on there and some stand up clips on there and um if you want to check that out would would love if you if you did
0: david baker ladies and gentlemen <laughs> <laughs> i've been your host the land legend aka big t and this has been another installment of the i can't make this up podcast that's i can't with a k make this up podcast you can find this show everywhere podcasts are available i'm also on facebook youtube twitter and instagram And could you please do me a favor and hit that subscribe button, follow button, like button. And if you got a problem with anything that was said on there, please leave a comment, and I'll block you. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, peace. I can't make this up. Being the wingman got me punched in the face by this crazy chick. I can't make this up. Gay this cool old man to ride home. Now I'm harboring the fugitive. I can't make this up. Pinned between the fat chick and the speaker. Now my shirt smells like her backside. I can't make this up. It's all bad, cause my man about to get stabbed in his hand over French fries. Bad. I'm it's one day, man. It's a good one. And I'ma let the Land Over legend do the rest. I'm out.